some limes. Okay, Bible readings coming from John 21, starting from verse 1 to 14. This is the NIV. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and, then, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Thanks so much, Josh, for bringing that word to us. Uh, thank you, Pastor Darrell, for the comedy act for a large portion of the service. <laughs> Should we invite him back again? Yeah, he'll be back next week, I think, so you can enjoy him then. Well, welcome one and all. It is great to have you with us. It is great to be uh, together on this Focus Sunday. And um, it's great to be able to share tonight what we believe as a leadership team God has given us and the direction that he's provided for us for 2022. And it's incredible to think that, uh, um, to pause and look back at all God has done, uh, even in the time that Elena and I and the family have been here with you, uh, to see the things that God has put in place. And so I believe as we look forward in 2022 and consider what God would have us to do, the foundations have been laid for us to have a huge impact upon each other and a great impact upon the communities around us. We are now going to be called to step out in faith. We're going to be called to do things that we haven't done before. And I think it's going to be a good thing. And we just have to have this willingness to have faith in God, trusting him and stepping out and doing all he calls us to do. You have heard John uh, 21 read out this evening and there's no doubt that this is a great account uh, revealing many spiritually related uh, truths. 
which come about in considering serving Jesus and is relevant for them and is relevant for us in our time and place right now as well. And I want you to think about those seven disciples that were present in this account. Uh, they've arrived and how they've arrived at where they are. They're at the Sea of Galilee. And I have no doubt that as they gathered there, memories would have come to mind. And I think for Peter in particular, there would have been a lot of things that uh, he was thinking about. And first and foremost, it was by the Sea of Galilee, uh, where he was with his fishing boat, where Jesus came and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at that time, Matthew, uh, sorry, Peter got up and he left his boat. He left everything that was there and he followed Jesus. All of his security, everything that he knew, he left it behind. All the comfort and meaning that was surrounded in that, he left it and decided to follow Jesus. And also I wonder if Peter would have thought about that other conversation that he had with Jesus during their ministry, where he said, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have when he was talking about eternal life? They knew that following Jesus meant that they would leave their former lives behind. And it would seem from these accounts that they've counted the cost. They realized the cost that was involved and were willing to sacrifice that in following Jesus. And yet, tonight, Peter's back in the boat, back with his nets. And I think we can all agree there's comfort in continuing the things that we know every day. There's comfort in knowing nothing's going to be changing or come as a surprise or a shock to us. Where we are and what we're doing may not be ideal. It may not be where we want to be with Jesus. But for so many of us, it's easier to continue in that way than stepping out into an unknown future. And yet, just like the disciples... We are called to follow Jesus. We are called to trust him. We are called to fellowship with him. And for me, that means stepping into an unknown future. That means trusting him each and every moment of each and every day. And I don't think that's a call exclusive to myself. I think that's a call upon each and every person who say that they follow Jesus. They should be determined to submit themselves to a future which is shaped, planned and designed by God. He knows the plans he has for each and every one of us individually and corporately as a people of God. And we believe as a leadership that it is God that gave us the mission statement of SDBC working with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. And we believe this mission is set by Jesus. And likewise, our focus for 2022 is set by Jesus. And in reality, our focus this year is a continuation of many good things that we've already seen happening. And in one word, we would say it's connecting. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your goodness to us. I want to thank you for your presence with us. And Lord, we've got some very young people here this evening. We've got some quite elderly people here this evening. And I thank you that you are the Lord and Saviour of all of them. I thank you, Lord, that you are growing our ministries, not just for growth's sake, Lord, but because of the spiritual input in people's lives. And Father, I pray for more. And I pray tonight that this word will be a word from you. 
that you will use me somehow to reach people for you, Lord, and that we'll be changed as a result of what is said. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As is typical, we're going to move through this passage of Scripture quite quickly, and we're only going to just skim across the surface of so much of it. So I ask that you go home and you dig into this as well and see what you get out of it for yourself and look at what God is saying to you. But I hope that what we do talk about will emphasize this call by God to be a people who are connecting, connecting with God, connecting with one another, and connecting with those who are not of the faith, those in our community, those on our front line. And you've heard us talk quite a bit about frontline ministry uh, towards the end of the year, and we were trying to encourage you to step out in faith in those areas. It's very interesting uh, as you prepare a message to dig into God's word only and not to look at commentaries and everything initially, to pray to God and ask him to reveal what he's saying in his word. And it's really interesting then to go to the commentaries and see what some people say. And uh, it's surprising that so many people believe that Peter sinned in going back to fishing. Uh, I really wrestled with this. And I spoke to Pastor Darrell and I said, I'm not convinced. I don't think that was the case. He goes, neither do I. I was like, wow. That is so good that we're united on that. So here we have Peter. Who is doing what he's comfortable with. And when we look at this first verse. It says that Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. This is what happened. This is an overall picture of how it happened. Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Same, same in this case, you know, Tiberias, Galilee. There's no difference there at all. But why the Sea of Galilee? Well, I suppose we don't know for sure, but there's quite a bit of stuff that happens here, which I don't think is a coincidence. I think the location was picked because this is where Jesus did most of his ministry. And I think the main reason why it happened there is because Jesus said that he would actually meet the disciples there back in Matthew 26, 32. And I believe there is a reason and purpose for everything that Jesus does. So in this, I believe there's a lesson for Peter. I believe there's a lesson for the disciples that are with Peter. And I believe there's a lesson for each and every believer who read this account. So ultimately, this is aimed at all of us as well. And I think, first and foremost, we have to learn that when we labor in our own strength and wisdom, it's worthless. I want to reiterate again, I don't think Peter sinned here. Jesus has told them to go to Galilee. So they were obedient in going to Galilee and they arrive in this area that they know quite well. This is where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. And we're told in verse 2 that uh, seven of the disciples were there with Peter. I don't think Matthew would have enjoyed being with those guys and going fishing and that types of thing. But they've gone to Galilee. They've done exactly what they were told to do. They've traveled the 130 k's from Jerusalem back to uh, the area that they're in now. And they're waiting for Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in familiar surroundings, perhaps in an area where you've given stuff up and you're waiting for someone? And you begin to get a little bit restless. Fishermen in particular, they would have smelt the sea. They would have seen the boats. They possibly heard the waves on the shore from time to time. And it's like it's beckoning them. It's like it's just calling to them. But there's been a bit of a change in these guys as well. 
When Jesus was arrested, they were all scattered and they scattered in great fear. They didn't want to be identified with Jesus at all. And now they have gathered to where Jesus has called them to. Think about that. Here they are afraid of Jesus, don't want to be identified with him. And now they gather as followers of Christ in the very place where Jesus did a large portion of his ministry. The major fear for them has gone. Their hearts are slowly being changed. And there's these seven guys, Peter, who is supposedly the rock who betrayed Jesus. Thomas, who is one who is said to be a doubter. Nathaniel, who wondered if anything good could possibly come out of Nazareth. James and John, the impulsive sons of thunder. And two others whose names we are not given. These are very different men who've been brought together at this place, at this time, united with one purpose and one reason only, and that's Jesus. But while they're waiting, they get a little bit restless, I think. And this is one of perhaps the many possibilities as to why Peter does what he does. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the rest say, yeah, we're going to go with you. And so Peter is beginning to emerge as a bit of a leader. No one sort of says, mate, you're doing the wrong thing. Because Peter is doing it, they're willing to step up. Now I want you to think about what is happening for these guys. While they were with Jesus, involved in Jesus' ministry, there were a number of women, quite wealthy women, who were financially contributing to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has been murdered. And his ministry has been stopped. And so these women who are financially supporting this group are no longer doing so. These guys have no means of income. They do all have families. And so they have to provide for them somehow as well, as well as supplying and providing for themselves. And so this idea and attitude of going fishing could have been justified in supplying goods for their families. And again, as I said, they were sitting around waiting by the sea. And they saw everything that represented their former lives. And it's so easy to do what you're comfortable with. It's so easy to fall back into those roles. And I think that's another reason as well. But I think the major reason is Jesus needed to teach them something. He had an agenda. He wanted to show them a certain thing and so these guys labored all night and they caught nothing now for us I don't know about you but I go fishing and sometimes I don't catch anything and we could say that that's normal not so in the Sea of Galilee you can have a time where you don't catch many fish or you can have a time when you catch heaps of fish but people who know how to fish in the Sea of Galilee never catch nothing And these guys laboured all night and caught nothing. And day begins to break. And in around the Sea of Galilee, uh, it's actually about 600 metres below sea level. And as the sun rises, there's mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee. And so the sun doesn't get on the water very quickly when it rises. And so there's a mist over the sea quite often in the morning. And so these guys have fished all night, it's early morning, they're coming into the shore and here is Jesus standing on the shore watching the disciples. He can see them but they can't see him and he's watching them and 
in this mist, the disciples hear a voice. And this voice says, children, do you have any fish? And they answer him and say, no. It's a little sad here that our translation isn't a little more accurate to the original Greek. And it's not much better in the NIV as well. But what, what Jesus actually says here is closer to, hey, you guys actually don't have any fish, do you? He already knew. He knew that they'd spent the night toiling and caught nothing. He wants to emphasise to Peter. He wants to emphasise to the disciples and he wants to emphasise to us that when we operate in our own wisdom, strength and understanding, we will fail. And when Jesus began his ministry three years previously, he got into Peter's boat and that particular time as well, Peter had spent a fruitless night fishing as well. Could you imagine what it was like for this guy? Twice he has been out to fish and he caught absolutely nothing. I think if it was me, I'd be sitting up and paying attention to what was going on around me because this is totally unheard of. Even once was unheard of. And now it's happened to Peter twice. And so he spent this fruitless night fishing. He's sitting in his boat, mending his nets. And this bloke, Jesus, comes along and says, hey, can I get in your boat? You push off the shore so I can talk to these people. And so Jesus is ministering to the people on the shore while Peter is fishing, uh, repairing his nets. Sorry. And when Jesus is finished, he says, hey, Jesus says to Peter, push out into the water and let down your nets. And Peter knows that is crazy. It's the wrong thing to do. It's going to produce nothing. But there's something about the guy that's in the boat with him. And he decides to push out and lower the nets. And we know from that account that the nets were full, so full that they begin to tear. And when Peter sees it, he knows that this is not normal. He knows that the one in the boat is someone who is holy, someone who deserves his reverence, someone who deserves his fear. And he bows down and he says, but depart from me for I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, don't worry. From today on, I'll make you a fisher of men. The analogy is used all throughout scripture. And from that point on, fishing refers to the act of evangelism. Fishing refers to winning men and women for Jesus. But it's almost like Peter forgets. He doesn't remember that that's what it was all about. And here is the lesson. Apart from Jesus, we labour in vain. Who's our master life people? John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Of course, we can all do something. But what this is saying is there is nothing of eternal consequences. There is nothing of eternal value if you don't operate under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this life, we achieve nothing of spiritual significance if we do not do it with Jesus. The second point tonight is laboring and obedience to Jesus' guidance brings about great reward. As I say, this must have been a surreal moment for Peter to be sitting in an empty boat after fishing all night and catching nothing. And then that voice echoes from the shore again. And the voice says to him, 
cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they cast the net and it is so full that they cannot haul it in. It's an incredible catch. Why the right side of the boat? It's not that difficult. That's where Jesus sent the fish. It was Jesus' command. And it wouldn't matter where he said to cast the net, that net would have been full because that was Jesus' purpose at this time. Can you understand the lesson here? It's not how great or urgent the task. It's not where the work is most needed. It's not how the work is to be done. It's not the tool that is going to be used. The question is, is it being done under Jesus' direction? Is it being done in obedience to him and his word? When we operate in our own wisdom, strength and ability, we come up empty. We have nothing, just like Peter did. But when we operate in submission and obedience to Jesus, we find immediate results. Peter and the disciples had been pursuing fish all night and failed to catch a single one. And when they return, they find the fish were right beside them. Right beside them. Without Jesus, they had no fruit. They had no return. With Jesus, they had an abundance. Without Jesus, we will never know how close to success we have been. The fish were right beside the boat. 153 large fish. And they would never have known if they hadn't listened to Jesus. We get these stirrings as believers to speak to others about him, to draw people into the kingdom of God. And we get this fear. But the fish are close to the boat. If we have the confidence and faith and trust in Christ to speak up for him, we will see a return and a reward that we never expected. But we live in fear. And we don't act on what Jesus has said. We need to keep in mind this fishing analogy is pointing towards the disciples being evangelists and pointing to us being evangelists as well. Those fishers of men. And the first time this happened, the net tore. Fish were lost. This time, it was an incredible catch, a huge catch. And the net was not torn. Not one fish was lost. Those who come into the kingdom, who call Jesus their Lord and Saviour, will not be lost. John 6.39 says, But this is the will of him who sent me, Jesus speaking about his Father, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but they will be raised up on the last day. And who does Jesus use for his work of redemption now, of bringing people into the kingdom, of saving them from the destiny of never being with him, never knowing him? He uses his disciples. He uses his followers. And ladies and gentlemen, that's us. Anyone who calls Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. 
And he chooses to use us for his work and purposes, to reach those who don't yet know him. And the disciples have this incredible catch. And I'm sure that Peter begins to wonder what all this is about. But it's John who makes the connection. And this is not normal. He sees the great catch. He realizes they've been in shallow water and these fish were just there. The nets are so full that they can't actually pull the nets in. And John's trying to make the connection and suddenly he says, you know what? This must be Jesus. That must be who's on the shore. It is the Lord. And that's what he tells Peter. We could say that Peter and the disciples caught many fish, couldn't we? But did they really? Without the Lord, they caught nothing. This was a work of God. This was the Lord. And the most amazing thing about Jesus, in all that we do, he is mindful of our needs. The disciples have been fishing all night. I've no doubt they're tired, they're hungry, and Jesus knows this too. So he shows his willingness to meet their needs first and foremost. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them. So with the fish. Just just think about that for a moment. Jesus is mindful of their physical needs and he wants to supply that to the disciples. He wants to give that to them. And he gives them fish and bread. They're sitting by the Sea of Galilee, not too far from the mount where Jesus had a few fish and a few loaves. And fed 5,000. And as they're thinking about that, they'd be reminded that he did the same with 4,000. They'd remember the surplus that they gathered up afterwards. And they'd realize that this isn't just about their physical needs. And again, there's a bit lost in translation in this term. This is where Jesus doesn't just invite them to eat. Jesus in the original context, is basically saying, come and have fellowship with me. Come and commune with me. That's what's translated, come and have breakfast. And so what he's asking is, I want to share with you. I want to talk with you. I want you to know me and I want to know you. Tell me about last night. How did that affect you? He cares for our physical needs, but he cares for our spiritual needs more. And he wants to supply us everything we need. And in our day and age, it's so difficult to take that time with him. We're a fast food world, hey? And so this meal that Jesus is talking about, this time of fellowship and communion, is not a McDonald's drive-through meal. This is a sit down and spend time with him. Talk while you're preparing the meal. Share together. Take their time over the meal. Learn from him, share with him, listen to him, be in his presence, unburden yourself with him. It's an opportunity to be heard by him and he wants to hear you. And it's an opportunity to hear from him as well. It's not to be rushed. We're to dwell in his presence. And so the call is to turn off your phones, turn off your computer, put down your book, turn off the TV. Move away from distractions. Find a place where that's not going to happen. Put aside fruitless activities. Fellowship with him. Commune with him. And 
I don't think I'm talking out of turn when we know Christian people who live their Christian life with joy. Uh, and I'm not talking about people who've got millions of dollars, got everything they would possibly want. Some of these people are incredibly poor, but they have this joy and it's just written all over their face constantly. They just love life with the Lord. And the reason they're like that, you know, we've got Christians like that, then we've got people who seem absolutely miserable. I don't know how you can be miserable when you're following the Lord, but these people who have this incredible joy have that joy because they have fellowshiped with Jesus. They have been with his presence. They have experienced him, and they're completely satisfied with all that Christ gives them. They're fellowshiped with him. They connect with him. And that's what we're called to do. Connect with him. Connect with each other. Encourage each other in the faith, spur each other on to greater works. And then we're called to connect others to Jesus. And I feel really sad for those people who haven't had the experience of sitting with someone and seeing them accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. There is nothing that compares. Nothing. And it just brings so much joy into your life to see another soul brought into the kingdom of God. Someone who will be there for all of eternity, who will no longer face judgment, will not face hell. They will stand in glory in the very presence of God. And for me, there's nothing better. Nothing better. It is just an incredible thing. And my desire is that each and every one of you have the joy of leading at least one person to Christ. What an incredible thing it would be if we could do a hundred each. If that would be our goal. But I want you to think about this account. The disciples were in a boat. Jesus was on the shore. None of them recognized Jesus. But when they obeyed him and saw the outcome, they were able to say, it is the Lord. It changed everything. Everything. Think about Peter. Peter went back to fishing and there would have been this rhythm in his fishing he would have known exactly what he's doing and it would have been very easy for him to stay in that lifestyle stay in what was comfortable but Jesus had a much bigger plan for him and that's why all this occurred and so when Jesus did what he did and Peter encountered that and saw that he was able to say this is the Lord and it changed him And I want to ask, have you reached that point? Can you look at stuff that has happened in your life? Can you look at things that Jesus is doing now? And you realize this is not of yourself. It is something that God is doing. And you can say, this is the Lord. And you can praise, honor, and glorify him because he is doing such a great work in, through, and around us as a people of God. Have you reached that point? Are you able to acknowledge that your very existence is dependent upon him? He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come. He's our God. And we can do nothing of value without him. Nothing. Only when we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Saviour will we be able to see eternal outcomes for our labours. And we believe God is calling us to be connected this year. The disciples connected with Jesus through obeying him. And we are called to do the same. It's about being honest with him. It's about confessing our failures. It's about submitting to him in obedience. It's about seeking his will and purpose for our lives. It's about fellowshipping, taking time to be with him, reading his word, praying, listening to him, desiring him.
thirsting for him, longing for him. And we're also called to be connected with each other. The disciples in this passage were very different people uh, as we demonstrated. And yet they were gathered together. They had one heart and one mind when it came to Jesus and they went on and did great and marvellous things. They didn't all get on all of the time, but they were focused in their mission. And I believe God has brought every person here at SDBC at this time with one purpose and one mind. He wants us to be united in him. We have him in common. And he is calling us to work together for his glory and purpose in reaching others for him. And in connecting with each other, it's an every day of the week type thing. We should commit to be to church, at church, at every opportunity. We need to be involved in a connect group. And when I say you need to be involved in a connect group, I don't want you to put that in a box and just think that's a Bible study group. I want you to think about prayer triplets. I want you to think about D-teams. I want you to think about small study groups. I want you to think about social groups where you discuss Jesus. That's a connect group. Connecting with each other with a purpose and a mind to pray for each other, care for each other, and open God's word together. And I don't care what context you use in order to do that. But that's what it means to connect with people. We should be praying for people. We should be checking in on people. We should do that via text, email, phone calls, whatever social media you use. We should have a desire to connect with people. We should want to build each other up, have intentional conversations. We won't talk about Bruno until we've talked about Jesus. No, I'm serious. We should. Let's talk about the things of God. It's so easy to be drawn away by other things. For those of you who don't know the Bruno pun, please ask some of the young people, they'll fill you in. I want to ask you a question that only you can answer. Do you desire to serve God more? Do you desire to be all you can be for him? Do you desire to reach out to those around you and see them brought into the kingdom of God? Because that's what he's calling you to do. I believe he speaks to us. And I believe we have choices to make. We can choose to ignore his voice. Or we can choose to submit in obedience, which can be very scary. Because we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen. For some of us, we're called out of the roles and tasks and jobs that we have to be something else. That's certainly what happened for me. I thought I'd be an auctioneer for the rest of my life. And here I am, a pastor. But that's not true for everyone. But what Jesus wants to do is call us out of the everyday. He doesn't want you to be like the people around you. He wants you to appreciate. He's put you where you are, whether you're a storeman, whether you're a manager, whether you're a laborer, whether you're a teacher, whatever it is, he's put you where you are for a purpose and a reason. And he wants you to proclaim his name in how you live, in what you say, in how you conduct yourself. He wants you to genuinely care for those around you, just like Jesus did. And this is how we reach out to others around us. 
And we need to be encouraging each other. We shouldn't be comfortable with our lives. We should be constantly wanting to do more and more for Jesus. And as we spur each other on to greater works, as we share stories of the great things that God's doing with each other, we should be able to encourage each other to step out in faith and do things that we haven't done before. Talking about Jesus to those who don't know him. We need to connect with others, those who are yet to know Jesus. Romans 10, 13 and 14 says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him when they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him that they've never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone telling? That's you. You guys know people I will never meet in my lifetime. That's you. Our call and commission is to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What do you think that means? It means he's going to empower and equip you for exactly what you need. But you've got to take that first step. And again, I've spoken about the, the Levites stepping into the Jordan River, the flooded Jordan River. The river didn't stop until they stepped into the river. That's the step of faith that we have to make. And I've told you, the first time you do this, pray for that three seconds of bravery you need to open your mouth and Jesus will do the rest. And I know many of you have come back to me and said, I tried that and it worked. It worked. This is all about connecting, folks. That's what we're looking at. It's on you. It's on each of us as individuals. It begins with our willingness to connect with God. And when we fellowship and connect with him, a transformation occurs. We want to submit to him and his will. We want to listen to his voice and obey it. We want to take action with what he says. He calls us to connect with each other. He wants us to care for each other, to make this church a family, to build each other up and encourage each other to commit fully to Jesus. And commit to each other, to love each other as we should. I want you to think about this passage we looked at tonight. Peter worked all night with the disciples and had nothing to show for it. They hadn't prayed. They hadn't invited Jesus into the situation. They hadn't considered what Jesus would have them to do. And that was the second time that happened to him. Is your Christian life like that? Do you do church and connect group, but there's no return, there's no fruit, nothing's happening? Do you want to change that? Peter and his disciples listened to Jesus. Everything changed. Everything. The fish were right beside the boat. And they would never have known if they hadn't listened to Jesus and done what he said. We are being called to listen to Jesus and act on what he says. Will you do it? It's easy to do what we know. It's comfortable. There's no risk. But I want to see great things happen here. 
I want to see great things happen at SDBC. And I, for one. I'm going to step out of the boat. Hard as it is, we're all being called to step out of the boat, to have faith. And the question is, will we do it? Let's connect. Father God, I thank you that the leadership doesn't take this stuff lightly. I thank you that we believe you have a purpose and a reason for each and every one of us to be in this place at this time. And I thank you, Lord, that we see connection as imperative, as an absolute essential thing. We want to connect with you, God. We want to connect with each other in the church. We want to connect with those who don't know you. And I pray, Lord, that by power of Holy Spirit, you put this conviction on each one of us that we will have the same desire and that, Lord, we will want to talk about you more and more, that your name is always on our lips and that others are brought into the kingdom as a result and people are encouraged to greater work with you as a result. And, oh Lord, we become a people who so obviously love you, The people are drawn to you because of that as well. Challenge us, use us, change us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing in response.